Hey, I'm Stephen Povetter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. Chad, I love that you put this mic right here and like backlit, you look like a beautiful bald angel over here with this like, it was wonderful. It's really great. The lighting is magnificent. We have been preparing ourselves. Now you may not have thought about that over the last few weeks as we've been into our Proverbs study. But the first few chapters of Proverbs are really just appetizers. They are preparing you for the feast ahead. They're trying to help you get in the right frame of mind, trying to help you get into that space where you are ready to listen. Have you ever had one of those moments? I have these all the time where when I I come into the house and Kelly has something super important to say, except for I don't realize it's super important until about 30 seconds too late. You ever had that conversation? And I'll have to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't ready to listen. Let's go back. I need to hear that. Anybody ever had that happen? And these first few chapters of Proverbs, some of you are like, that happened this morning when I got the text message that church was in the gym. I just saw Central. Okay, I'm good. The first few chapters of Proverbs, and it's not a short prologue. It's nine chapters of getting you ready because the truth is that wisdom has to be heard right. Proverbs is very well aware of this. Often it'll say things like, you know, if you say a proverb to a fool, it doesn't do any good. It just makes them even more foolish, it seems like. You have to be prepared. You have to be open, ready to receive the wisdom as it comes. Wisdom won't force itself on anybody. It requires us to be attuned, ready, prepared to receive what it has to say. So that being said, before we jump into some of the wisdom proper that Proverbs has to teach us in chapter 10. Let's all spend just a moment. Let's pray together to the Lord and ask God to open us to the wisdom that he has to share with us. Let's pray together. O giver of all good things, you who have formed wisdom and woven it into creation, in this moment, We open ourselves to hear your wisdom. We invite you to change us from the inside out according to your wise word. May it be for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Proverbs chapter 10, we begin with really what we call the Proverbs proper. They are, uh, you know, what academics call the sentence literature, which is just a way of saying it comes one bite at a time, one phrase at a time. Proverbs comes very, like, with such rapidity. 
that when I look at my preaching schedule and I say, okay, well, this week we've got chapter 10, and then I look and I say, well, that only covers 15 different topics, right? And so we just kind of have to pick something and go with it and find what we can listen to and hear the different themes that Proverbs is coming in this, covering in this particular chapter. And today I want us to think a little bit about the wisdom of the tongue. Now, much of what Proverbs has to say is set, if we remember, in words as stark as life and death. It is trying to show us what it means to have the kind of wisdom that will enrich and lengthen our lives. Proverbs 10, 27 says, The fear of the Lord, and remember, We've already had a couple of places where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction or understanding. Here it says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. If you read through this chapter, you'll kind of find the drumbeats of life and death, prosperity and ruin. And it's trying to show us, remind us, that what wisdom is offering is not just the kind of lecture that's just supposed to make you feel bad. It's leading you towards something that is beautiful and whole, and it's something that you want, a full, vibrant life. But that life that Proverbs is trying to bring about is not just for us. Wisdom enriches not just the wise person, but their entire community. It changes not just the situation of the wise person, but it begins to penetrate into the lives of its neighbors and all those who are part of those relationships. And I think that's true for all kinds of wisdom, but how much more so for the sort of wisdom that we're talking about today, wisdom of word. Now, it is true that wisdom of words, the way of being wise about the sorts of things that come out of your mouth, that is a wisdom that is good for you to start with, right? You can wreck your life with the things you say. Words can chip away at your well-being and chip away at the things that you're trying to build in your life, that wisdom is trying to build into your life, and it can destroy you. The things that you say can be your undoing. But even more so, maybe, Wisdom of word shapes and affects the lives of the people with whom we live. Hear this proverb in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked is conceals violence. 
The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And that's not just for the righteous or wise person. It's for all the people around them. From the mouth of a fool comes destruction and pain and suffering for all the people that are in their world, right? And yet from a mouth of a wise person, it really is like a fountain of life that can Feed the, feed the people that come close, to feed the people that are in their orbit, the people that are close to them. In a couple of chapters, in chapter 12, verse 18, uh, Proverbs says that rash words are like sword thrusts. They stab and cut and hurt. But it goes on in the other part, rash words are like sword thrusts, but... The tongue of the wise brings healing. So our words can either stab someone in the heart or in the back, or they can produce the kind of healing that can change somebody's life for the better. This is how wisdom works in word. I want you to think for just a second about two different kinds of communities. In our class time this morning, uh, for, for those of you guys that were in classes, we were there, and I know sometimes they were on different chapters, but in our class this morning, we were talking about chapters 7 through 9 of Proverbs. And in that last chapter, chapter 9, it speaks as though, it speaks about a, two different feasts. One is a feast that wisdom personified as Lady Wisdom. Wisdom invites you into this feast, and she's trying to feed the things that create life. But then there's the, there's the feast of foolishness that's there too. And the people that are eating of the feast of foolishness don't realize that they might as well be eating poison, that the people that are seated there are seated in the very realm of death. It has these haunting words at the end of chapter 9. So a community, different kinds of feasts, it kind of conjures to me different kinds of communities. And I want, to th- I want you to think just for a moment about what it, would, what it means, the difference between living in a community of wisdom and in a community of foolishness in terms of what you hear coming out of people's mouths. A community of fools is nothing but painful words, hurtful words, words that, like the proverb said, conceal violence. In other words, they kind of have ways of bringing about hurt, even though they sound smooth at the time. You ever heard words like that? Those, You know, we talk, talk about like backhanded compliments, right? Somebody told me a, a, a week ago, man, this still kind of hurts. I didn't realize until I was about to say it. Somebody told me a week ago, they were like, man... Your wife is really feeding you well. Like, I feed myself, and that's the problem, right? Don't put that evil on her. I think it's pretty clear who's been making my food choices, okay? That's a backhanded compliment. You ever got one of those? There wasn't any. If you just took it, and you, you, just, you just wrote it down on paper and looked at it, it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it, but you knew when it came 
that it had the seed of hurt and pain in it, right? Some people are very adept at using words in such a way that it you can't really accuse them. They're not being slanderous. It doesn't sound like they're being mean. But if you really allow those words to be seeds, the things that grow up are not good fruit. They're poisonous and hurtful. Some people use their words rashly. And that proverb that says a rash word is like a thrust of a sword. Some people know how to use their words in such a violent way that the pain is immediate and hurtful, right? Some people, as soon as they open their mouth, you almost start to wince and brace yourself against what you think is coming. But there are also many fools in our world whose words don't seem to be so obviously sharp, but they carry within them the seeds of poison. And if the things of those words are fine rude and they grow, they can hurt over and over again. So many people, so many people carry wounds deep into their lives over things that their parents, in foolishness, said to them over and over again while they were young. Don't we know it's true? Don't we know it's true? It's true for some of us. Fools don't only use their words in obviously harmful ways. In the mouth of a fool, not only is a harsh word damaging, but a careless word can be just as painful over time. They may not even be thinking about what they're saying or they haven't thought about it long enough. But over time, something grows and painful about what was said. You ever walked away from a conversation and you knew, you knew that there was something that was just not right in what was said. And it hurts, but you didn't quite know why yet. Anybody had that experience? In the community of fools, over and over and over again, their their words wound each other. And sometimes it is big, long gashes that are obvious and cause the hurt immediately. And sometimes the words of fools wound us in deeper ways, and we weren't even aware of it until much later. Have you ever looked down at your finger and thought, where did I get that splinter? I don't even remember having that, and now here it is two or three days later, and the thing is like a you, you, you understand what I'm talking about? These are the words of fools. Sometimes they hurt immediately. Sometimes you have to wait a few days or maybe even a few years to figure out where the wound has come from. Not so in the community of the wise. In the community of the wise, words don't hurt. At least not in that way. Words bring healing. Now, Sometimes there may be words. It doesn't mean that there are no words of confrontation. Sometimes in the, word, in the community of the wise, there have to be things that are said 
in truth and in love because they bring about something that couldn't be there without repentance and without some kind of turning of heart. We might not like everything that wisdom has to say to us, but wisdom isn't proven true just by the way it sounds in the moment. Wisdom, too, has to be kind of buried within us. And sometimes sometimes the way that wisdom is changing us is very obvious, and sometimes wisdom takes a while to grow and to bear fruit. The difference between the words of foolishness and the words of wisdom, the difference is in what they produce over time. The kind of fruit that comes about. Whether that's fruit of pain and hurt and suffering, or whether it's the fruit of joy and blessing and well-being. The fruit of violence or strife and division, or the fruit of peace and of harmony and of love. Wisdom always keeps somehow turning back to this concept of what our words do and what they produce. In the book of James, that's a book of wisdom in the New Testament that has so much to say about what it means to be wise people. James has a lot to say about the way that we use our tongue, right? And the kind of fruit that comes from that. He talks about how the tongue sets a great spark and can set a whole, uh, you know, the whole of uh, the forest on fire. He says this. This is James chapter 2. Or James chapter 3, rather, I'm sorry. The tongue is placed among the members of our body as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body. It sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison for if it with it we bless the lord and father and with it we curse those who were made in the likeness of god from the same mouth Come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring for, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Here, James speaks about the kind of hypocrisy of using one kind of language to speak to God and flowery blessing and then using a, our language to tear down and hurt the people with whom we live. The flesh and blood people 
who are made in the very image of God. And James says it can't be like that. It's like, you know, it's, it's like the wrong tree producing the wrong kind of fruit. And he contrasts these effects in two different ways. Cursing and blessing. Cursing is pronouncing on someone some kind of evil that will bear fruit in their life. Cursing is calling into being evil on someone. Too many in the Christian community over time thought cursing meant something else. And so we restricted each other from swearing, but we have still had no problem saying a lot of hurtful things to each other. If you don't use four-letter words, but you use your language to hurt people, you're still cursing. Yeah. <laughs> the other language is blessing. Blessing is calling into being not something that's painful and hurtful, but something that is life-giving, something that is good, that produces good fruit. Blessing, the old Greek word for that is eulogeo, and what it means is good words. You know it from the eulogy that is pronounced at somebody's funeral. Get up and say something good about the person, right? But a good word, a word of blessing, is not primarily just about the form that the, that language takes. It's primarily about the sort of fruit that will come from those words. Wise words bless because wise people think about what their words will do to somebody. They think about what the effect of those words will be. Not just for themselves. It'll get me a laugh. It'll make everybody think I'm really smart. It'll make me seem good in the, in the, or, or, or like I'm superior to the people that I'm talking to. And a lot of times that's the way fools use words. But a wise person thinks, what kind of goodness, what kind of life is going to come about from the words that I use? Jesus is himself a bearer of good words, a bearer of wisdom. But not only that, Jesus is someone who is the good word of God. The word that comes into the world full of grace and truth. We who follow Jesus together are intended to be the kind of community of wisdom 
who ourselves speak, not just the name of Jesus, but his very essence into the world, his being of grace and truth. Jesus, the word, becomes our word to the world, our word to each other, the words that we speak to each other in the community at the feast table of wisdom. Our words bless each other. They bless us with grace and truth and kindness and encouragement. Listen, you can go into a community for the first time. And if you're really attentive, You can tell whether it's a community of wisdom or fools just by listening. Central, what kind of community will we be? A community that over time sends people away with wounds and hurt Or will we be a community of wisdom that sends people away from our table out into the world with words of blessing, with the word of Jesus? Proverbs in chapter 15 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise dispenses knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. May we not be a community whose words break each other's spirit. Let's be a community whose language and everything that comes out of our mouths is a tree of life for each other and for our community that already has way too many broken spirits in it. Let's pray together. O God of wisdom, we all have carried the wounds of words. Give us healing by your own hand and healing by the words of wisdom that you share by your spirit here in the community of your people. Teach us what it means to be people who are sowing trees of life instead of harmful, poisonous fruit. Oh God, in Jesus you have called us to a better way. May the way that we walk be evident in the deeds of our life and also in the words of our mouth. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.